We know Jackson's Art Supplies has a great range of art materials. Did you know that they also offer bespoke canvas and framing? They have an extensive range of exhibition-ready classic frame styles, materials and finishes to choose from. And canvas-wise, they have a wide variety, including primed and unprimed, cotton and linen, stretched and unstretched. Well worth taking a look. And you can visit their online canvas builder at jacksonsart.com forward slash bespoke canvas builder. And frames, you can visit jacksonsart.com forward slash bespoke frame builder with hyphens in between the words. For full details, just take a look on the show notes, askanartistpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Peter Keegan. And I'm Tom Shepherd. And welcome to Ask an Artist, the podcast designed for working artists and makers, people just like us, who are looking for tips and advice, ideas and strategies for not only making, but selling their work too. Covering a range of topics from social media to approaching galleries, interviewing fellow artists and industry experts, Ask an Artist podcast is here to keep you company in the studio and to help you on your artistic journey. And it's not called Ask an Artist for nothing, because today we give over the whole content of the podcast to you, the listener, where some of you have sent in your artistic quandaries to challenge me and Peter to see if we can shed a little light on them and maybe help you out. And thank you for sending in all the questions via social media and via our website at askanartistpodcast.com. And this week we will be discussing AI, that's going to be interesting, making artwork under pressure, and copying other artists' work. So question one from Tejal via Instagram. As AI, artificial intelligence, is emerging, I'm a bit worried that this will affect my chances of becoming an artist. Do you think the art market will slow down? Is it worth trying to become a successful artist when technology could possibly take over the world? I've added the world, but could possibly take over. <laughs> Us against the robots, Tom. Have we got it's, any yeah, chance at all? Going down. It's, go, it's an art throwdown. Crikey. So we've, I've, I've, to add to my list of worries of being a, an artist, I've got to now worry that a robot's going to turn up and, and paint beautiful pictures. Or worst case, uh, uh, your toaster will outperform you in the studio. Crikey. Well, that's, a, that's a thought. So... Am I am I really worried that this is going to happen? Well, I suppose it is happening. There is great advancements in in AI, of course, in how it can help all our lives and make things run smoother um, and certainly support us. It's that interesting point of creativity, isn't it? Now, can a robot be creative like us? Do they have that cognitive ability to think and to create something from nothing that is truly authentic? Does, I suppose, isn't it famous Degas, the Impressionist, said that all painting, and I use the word painting to be all forms of art, all painting is feeling. And can a robot really feel, kind of express itself? Or is it merely sort of doing a sort of a functional thing that on the surface looks creative and looks artistic, but there's, there's nothing beneath it. There's no real substance underneath. It's an interesting one because I've seen a lot of AI artwork and it is quite interesting. It is quite engaging on a surface level, but I don't think it necessarily worries me about is it going to certainly take over and take custom away. And I certainly don't think it should worry people that are considering being an artist because I think there's certainly, there's it's a broad church, the art world, and surely there's yeah. there's enough room for us all. Well, that's the thing. If you were to think about it, like AI as a whole was just a whole load of extra artists that wanted to make a living as an artist. That wouldn't stop me from being an artist. You know, that's it, really. You know, there are areas. It's it's really interesting because, you know, like 
as we're seeing, and this is just one example of hundreds, but like on social media, there was this sudden little sl- flurry of people taking photos of themselves and then having that AI app produce like loads of different painting versions of them. Now, obviously, you and I could not produce that image in five minutes where it looks like an oil painting of someone dressed up in a Game of Thrones outfit. That would take us weeks. So AI can do that. But then that was never our market anyway. Mm. Um, we then also have people that uh, are doing already like using robots and working with them to produce paintings. And there's an interesting interaction between robots and people and now artificial intelligence and people Uh, It's also worth pointing out, at least initially, whilst this artificial intelligence is learning, it's learning from looking at human artwork. So Mm. there's always a human artwork involved in there. And for for what we do, at least, people that are physically making something, I I don't think it's competition. I don't know that it will slow down the art market. It adds an interesting element to it. There's always, 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 always going to be a place for human interaction and working with a human even if it's to produce a digital product. So yeah, it's, it's such early days as well, but I think it's a, I think if you can switch your mindset to being fascinated by it rather than scared by it, which is where I'm at, you'll be fine. And just even, like I said, as if it was another whole load of artists come on the scene, you know, just do you, like do your artwork that pleases you and fulfills you and progress your own work in the direction you want to go. And don't worry about it just like you don't worry about all the other thousands of artists that are out there trying to Mm. make a living. I think it's really important to stress that as an artist, you are special. You are unique because you are an artist. You are this person that thinks differently. You notice things differently. You express yourself in this visual form. And that's what makes you special. That's what makes you an artist, what makes you unique. And on the whole, people who buy art, they they like artists. They're fascinated by artists. You know, you have to be aware that you have this USP, that you are a branded artist. And people like to engage with that. You know, when they're buying a work of art, they're buying a work of you, a bit of you, a creative person. And that's really enjoyable. You know, when we talk Mm. about famous artists of the past, you know, we collect the names Monet and Lucien Freud or Rembrandt. You know, it is the artist that comes first, not the artwork. The artwork was created by that artist. So never kind of worry about that. And I think that'll always remain and always stay. And I think, ironically, I think if the proliferation of AI advances as it inevitably will it will make you as the artist the craftsperson yes. even more special because Definitely. you are not a robot it will actually kind of make you more unique and individual than a broader term of what a machine can do so in many mm. ways it potentially could strengthen the the craftsmanship you know this this appreciation to skill and study and training and practice and determination and 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 building a success which is what all us artists do then pressing a quick button on the machine and you get that superficial surface quality. So I think artists are here to stay and we're going to well outlive. I mean, hey, <laughs> artists have been around for a, a heck of a long time and we're still going strong. I don't think that a, a silly little robot is going to knock us off our, our plinth anytime soon. No, I totally agree with all of that, Peter. I think a couple of final points, if I may, is well, firstly, like my dad spent his whole career as uh, as an architect and he's obviously quite old school. 
Uh, and then like CAD design came along and everyone was working on computers. And what he found was that he was still working with a pencil and pen and all of his clients, all of the builders, everyone he worked with absolutely loved that because it was still hand-drawn and there was the human relationship there. And I think the other thing is that, hey, there may well be a whole load of people that decide they only want to buy AI art, but that was never going to be your market anyway. Because as Peter mm. says, the people that are going to love your art are the people that respond to both emotionally and just as on a personal level, something being honed, a skill being honed, a craft being honed. And as Peter said, your own completely unique and special take on the world. Us artists are here to stay, I think. <laughs> we are going to take a short break after all of that. And we're going to brush up on some art materials. When it comes to a synthetic brush that's perfect for oil or acrylic painting that requires a soft touch, there is one collection that stands out against the crowd and is fast becoming Rosemary & Co's most popular paintbrush, and that's the Evergreen range. These 100% synthetic brushes were originally dyed green as a teaser for Christmas to make them more festive, but the feedback from us professional artists cried out for this to be made a permanent range. Why? Well, they produce extremely clean and precise marks that are especially suited to achieve a certain softness of edge, great for capturing atmospheric skies or the transition of soft, dark shadows. One of the added bonuses of these popular brushes is that they clean up very easily and are not as prone to being worn down compared to more natural-haired brushes. Suitable for both plein air artists or those studio-based artists, they're an absolute must for any painter. And if you'd like to find out more information about these brushes, or would like to order your own free mail-order catalogue shipped anywhere around the world, then simply visit rosemaryandco.com. And now we've had our brush fix. Let's get back to the episode. And this is question two from Nicola. How do you cope with making art when you are stressed or under pressure? Is it possible to still be creative or do you have to take a break from it for a while? I find when I've had a stressful work day, art used to be my way of relaxing. But as I started to pursue my artwork more seriously and professionally, I find it harder to relax by being creative because it is also work. Wow, what a question. Go on, Peter, mm. take that one. I think taking a break is very important. Let me put, give an example. I've just taken a lovely two-week break. We are recording in the springtime and I've taken the two-week Easter holiday break and I have not done any artwork. I have intentionally not painted. I've not drawn. I've not done a lot of thinking about it. The only thinking I have done is a sort of a wider business sense of planning what am I going to do later on this year and starting to put uh, ideas in motion for maybe things happening next year. But in terms of making art, I think taking a break is quite healthy because when you come back to it, I think you can look at it a little bit more objectively. You're looking at a, at something with a fresh pair of eyes, not just something that you're working on, but also the kind of the bigger scheme of things of what are you going to do now. I think it's, there's an element of burnout. I think it's impossible for us humans, especially us special creative humans, to keep working and churning and churning and churning. It will grind you down. We need that time to stop and reflect. I think we need time to experience different things. You know, we, we need mm. to get out into the world and see, experience, meet people, because quite often it's those experiences that will promote and inspire 
new work and a new direction. And I think quite often that comes from taking time out from the mm. busy schedule of it. So being cautious of burnout and, and, and stressing yourself out with constant drive for work, I think you need to plan in. I mean, I certainly do. Every year at the start of when I plan next year's diary, the first thing I plan in is when am I not working? When am I going to give myself those down periods, those breaks? And, I, mm. and they are quite, you know, religious to me in that nothing will happen during those times. It is completely mm. work free. That's will ensure that when I am in next year, I'll have this momentum and sustainability. I will be able to sustain the, the, the burden of being creative constantly because it is wonderful. Mm. It is a privilege, but all of us know. It is exhausting. It's absolutely yeah. exhausting sometimes, not just creating work, but then also trying to run your business as an artist as well. It is very demanding. So for mm. me, putting in time off is quite an integral part of being an artist. How do you feel about that, Tom? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think I can absolutely relate to everything you just said, Peter, and I can definitely relate to uh, Nicola's question and her kind of quandary uh and also the the how hard it is when the thing that you maybe used to love as your hobby um has now become your work and how uh there's different people work differently and different types of pressure i guess but i quite work well when there's a deadline for a piece that's the sort of pressure that works well for me but financial pressure around creating artwork kills my creativity uh, a lot and the pressure for example of running a business and all the admin that kind of comes with that can kill my creativity as well so I think taking breaks from all of that is important taking breaks from your admin work taking breaks from also your creative work all taking breaks as Peter said is is so important uh, and one thing I will add if I don't know if this makes sense to you Nicola and it's kind of wrapped up in your question but I think um compartmentalizing your business can really help like if you've got loads of admin to do or there's loads of business related pressure or even commissions I kind of separate those into one little box and then I have my creative painting work and I very rarely do both of those on the same day. I might say, right, Monday, Tuesday is video editing, catching up on emails, feeling the pressure of the business, but not trying to then create whilst I'm in that headspace. Thursday, Friday, when I've got all of that stuff wrapped up to the best of my ability, that's creative time. So I'm breaking up the heavy pressurized stuff. I'm taking a break from that to be creative. And then I'm breaking from the creative stuff to get back to my admin and because I can't work the two side by side within a day generally. Yeah. The crux of this as well is that art used to be a way of relaxing, as it was for mm. me, as I'm sure it was a way for a lot of people creating, sitting and doodling, painting, sculpting, whatever it may be. It is your way of unwinding and deprocessing and so on. And that changes when it becomes your job. It does change. Mm. It does become your work. And... I, I went through that very fuzzy phase where it was my job, but I was still in that kind of, oh, it's fun and it's relaxing. It's still my hobby. It wasn't until I started treating it professionally. I think, no, this is my job now. I have to treat it with a little bit more structure, a little mm. bit more self-discipline. It was not until I did that where things started to fit in and to make sense. And I was therefore not stressed and under pressure because I was organising it. And it did take a while because it does feel weird that the fun thing, the thing you love, the thing you, you do, whether you be paid to do it or not, mm. becomes the thing that starts bringing in money. But by treating it as, as we always say, that business, treating it with a little bit of respect, 
things do fit in place and then suddenly those burdens do not get in the way of you even creating the stuff in the first place. So for me, it was that little bit of a psychological shift. It's no longer super fun hobby playtime. It's no, I'm going to treat this seriously. I'm going to treat it with respect, Mm. respect for myself, respect for the craft of the art. And by doing that, things slotted in and things made sense. And then that overwhelming burden appeared less and less. Yeah, that's such a great um, point, Peter. I, I totally agree with all of it. And it's funny because you might think discipline and structure, for example, might kill creativity and the two don't go hand in hand. But actually that, that structure uh, and that discipline it can almost create a little box of safety where you can still be creative when you give yourself the time to be and it can still be fun. And it's almost yeah. like disciplining and the more logical side of stuff protects the creative environment if you allow it to like if they cross over too much yeah it doesn't work but if you can use the discipline and the structure to create the fun safe environment that we always had for creativity well thank you nicola for that great question i hope you get a a better equilibrium with your work-life balance Lastly, we have a message from Connor who sent this from Facebook and he's from Ireland. And Connor says, I've heard and read many contrasting opinions on copying other artists' work as a way to learn and develop as an artist. Some say it's one of the best ways to learn, whilst others say it takes away from your authenticity and individuality. I'm in two minds. While I think copying a past master's painting would help me learn his approach, I wouldn't want that learning experience to hinder my own artistic development. Mm. Really interesting question. And I think this sort of, it sort of does sort of hark back to, I suppose, a very traditional way that artists were trained. Sculptors, um, potters, painters were trained by copying the artists, the masters that came before them, it was part of, I suppose, their art education training. Artists had, you know, big grand studios where they had studio assistants. And then these assistants would help the master at work. They would copy and learn from them. And then from that, they would grow to become great artists in their own right. A famous example, you know, uh, Peter Paul Rubens, the famous Baroque artist. One of his students was Van Dyke, and then Van Dyke learnt from Rubens and grew on to be a successful artist in his own right. Many other examples throughout art history. So copying is very much steeped in, I suppose, the learning of art and passing on the skill and tradition from artist to artist and to artist down the generation. Now, I think what's interesting here is that question of how much that may inhibit your authenticity as an artist. And I suppose that's The question I would ask is, what are you looking to get out of copying? Mm. And I think that's the the root question here. What is the point of it? Are you here to emulate a style or are you here to learn a specific technique? Because if you're trying to steal the way that someone else is working, then that's when you could argue, well, what are you getting out of this experience? It's not really authentically you. What I'm interested Mm. in when I'm looking at artwork is how you see and interpret the world. Whereas maybe copying to learn a specific technique or approach that you may adapt mm. and evolve in your own way, I think that's I think that's crucial really to to learn and become a, a greater a better art artist. How about you, Tom? I mean, have you copied artwork for your own art development? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I kind of I kind of understand both sides of the argument completely. But I have definitely copied other people's art, like masters' copies, and even just copies of modern masters or anyone whose work I like. 
I think you pretty much nailed it really succinctly in saying that it's it's purely down to the clarity of your intention with what you're trying to achieve when you go into it. You know, if you are aiming to emulate another artist's style, that possibly will lack a little authenticity. But if you are copying that artist to, as Peter said, learn their technique, or you want to look at how that painter, I'm going to talk about painting for a moment, but I think the same applies like to anything. How do they use tonal values or what do they do with colour? And you can learn all of this foundational stuff by copying another artist, but then you need to take it away and then develop it yourself and allow it to become your own art. So almost like copying someone's style because that's how you want to paint is jumping to the end result without understanding what's behind it. But go in with the intention of learning how how to structure a painting or yeah, technique, etc. All of that stuff. And then use what you've learned in your own way. That's a very different thing. And I think that will build skill, knowledge, and with that authenticity and individuality, completely normal that you will start out when you, depending on where you are in your journey and how many people you're copying, your work will look like the people you copy. And then the more you paint, as long as you are being authentic about it, the more your work will become your work. So mm. it's kind of you, you, inevitable you start at one place and it looks very similar to a lot of other people's and then it will slowly become your work. Mm. And that's just a natural part of the process. I think then in terms of just some safe practice in terms of, of copying artist work, whether it's artists from the past or artists that are living, that those pieces that you are doing, they are not publicly shown. You know, I think it's very important that these are your own private investigations you're exploring uh, the methods in which they're painted you know these pieces should never be exhibited as your own work because then we're getting into plagiarism and potentially copyright as well so you know i would if ever i have copied uh, some paintings i would write on the back of the canvas or the paper or on the front of it attributed to i would say you know copy or copy after the artist so that i am noting down that this is inspired by or i'm looking at this particular work for a particular reason i would never show it and never exhibit it it's there for my own growth and my own uh, private uh, development what i will do as you've quite rightly said tom is that i would take the technique the strategy the approach and i'd then put it in my own little mixing pot as an artist and go right how am i going to use that am i going to try a little bit of that technique but i'm going to put in my own little approach my own colors my own tech my own style to then push it into that new direction that i think is how we should learn um, from artists mm. that are around us take inspiration it's wonderful to be inspired by as i do god look at that brush stroke look at that color i'd like to kind of emulate that i think that is fine but do it transparently maybe reach out to the artists if they're still around and say oh i'd, I'd love to work and, and take a copy of this because i think i'd learn from it but make sure that it is done in that open transparent way never shown it's for your own development your own enjoyment of the technique the material, or the celebration of that artist's particular approach. But remember, you'll never be that person. You're never going to be that artist. The thing you need to focus on most is how you're going to use it for your own way, your own artistic language, your own artistic integrity. That's the interesting point. And if you do so, then maybe one day an artist may be inspired to copy one of your pieces as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And just to finish off, I like that word language when it comes to painting or any creative process. Ultimately, this is a language. And if you're studying other people's work, you are 
deepening your knowledge of the language and the deeper your knowledge of the language, the more easily and fluidly over time you will be able to express yourself. So yeah, definitely a place for it. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. Everyone, thank you all so much for sending in these wonderful questions to us. And if you would like to put one of your artistic problems to me and Tom, then you can. You could do it via the website or our social media channels. Just search Ask an Artist Podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. And thank you so much for all of your reviews and your ratings, both on the website and on Apple Podcasts, because they really do help keep the podcast visible and they keep it free for everyone. And finally, you can catch up with everything we discussed during this episode and all of our previous episodes at our dedicated website, which is askanartistpodcast.com. Search Press is the leading supplier of arts and crafts books in the UK. They publish beautiful and practical books, and I do own plenty myself. They are very kindly offering you, the listeners, 25% off on a range of titles during July and August this year, plus free UK postage and packaging. When you visit searchpress.com forward slash RT23, be sure to use code SPAAA. For full details, just take a look on the show notes, askanartistpodcast.com.